you've, you've known me for like 30 fucking years, man. I, it doesn't sound right to me at all. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. Might have to ask Terry Taylor. Thanks for being with us. This is terrible. Hulk Hogan, the greatest hero in the history of the planet. Duke Bags and my co-host Kevin Rogue. Kevin Rogue. That's him. And today we are on episode number two. We're reviewing the King of the Ring, 1993. This was actually the first King of the Ring pay-per-view, and it took place a couple of months after WrestleMania 9. The main attraction of this uh, pay-per-view is the eight-man tournament to crown the well, it's not actually the first King of the Ring but the first time this thing has actually been coronated on television. Yeah, it was a, uh, it, it was a, almost like a host show type of attraction uh, before this. And they ran it from, I think, 85 to 91, took 92 off, and then brought it back with a pay-per-view event in 93. Uh, and I think some of the reason why they did that was probably the, the roster was a little bit slim right now with, uh, with recent uh, departures. And still being able to put on a, a pay per view, and and also maybe maybe appeasing uh, Brett a little bit after the way that uh, the WrestleMania went down it was also kind of played into that. The commentary team is Jim Ross with Randy Savage and Bobby the Brain Heenan, same team as WrestleMania Nine. And I thought it was pretty hilarious, actually. Jim Ross mentions multiple times on this broadcast how we're going to be crowning the very first King of the Ring. And he's sitting next to one of the former Kings of the Ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. The, well, the very first one was Don Morocco, I believe, was, was the very first one. But I agree. I thought that was pretty, pretty, pretty comical myself. And I was going, I was waiting for Randy to maybe turn heel there and, and go Macho King on his ass. But no, no dice there. No dice there. No. So the, uh, the competitors in this tournament are uh, Brett, the Hitman Hart, Razor Ramon, Mr. Perfect. Mr. Hughes, Hacksaw Duggan, Bam Bam Bigelow, the Narcissist, and the Native American Tatanka. As I, as I look at this tournament, the odd man out appears to be Mr. Hughes. He, you think so? Why, why do you think Mr. Hughes? Is it because he wrestles in sunglasses? Yeah, he wrestles in sunglasses, suspenders, tie. Yeah. Uh, he's, almost like a, he's almost like a thug. Not even a thug. Uh, how do I put it? Like an unprofessional version of IRS. Right. Same, same wrestling gear. Uh, the only thing different really is that he, he puts on shades and maybe he doesn't do his taxes. Kind of just came out of nowhere. He wasn't, I, I think he was one of Harvey Whippleman's guys in that, uh, oh, yeah. in, the, in that stable. Yeah. Which never really had a name. It was kind of the, the, the stable of suck. If you ask me, uh, never been a big fan of Harvey Wolfman or any of his stables. I did like Mr. Hughes though. I always got a kick out of him. And again, the, the glasses, the glasses never come off his damn face ever. It's, it's almost like he was wearing a super cologne mask, but without the mask. That was impressive. That was impressive. Yeah. It's about, about the only thing that was impressive with Mr. Hughes. Well, we'll get to, we'll get to Hughes shortly. We'll get to here. him. We'll get to him. So also in this 
card, we have Hulk Hogan defending his championship against Yokozuna in a rematch of their short, unscheduled contest at WrestleMania 9. And Shawn Michaels defending his Intercontinental title versus Crush in what's a battle of probably two of the all-time greatest mullets in the business. Yeah, Crush. Shaka bra. And don't forget about the tag team division. We have an eight-man tag match between um, the Money Incorporated and the Head Shrinkers and the Steiners and the Smoking Guns. I think this was just added in there to give the tag team division a little bit of love. Yeah, you say don't forget about the tag team division in this event. Well, they they clearly fucking did when they made the card. (laughs) You see that, I mean, even to this day, you see that, especially at WrestleMania is where it's like, okay, we got all these guys, let's just throw them all into one contest, you know, so they, uh, so they feel better about themselves. Exactly. It's like, you might as well just put a camera in fucking catering. I think this is the first time that the smoking guns have showed up. So we'll get to them a little bit later. But the first contest of this card is going to be Bret Hart against Razor Ramon or Ruthless Razor Ramon. As, uh, Ruthless Razor Ramon, huh? Yeah, that's what, that's what Mr. McMahon dubbed him in the intro. Called him Ruthless Razor Ramon. Yep, yep. And this is a... I don't, I don't like it. It doesn't ring. It doesn't know, ring you, them. I don't care for it. I mean, he was, uh, he was stuck with the bad guy. That's The, the bad guy works, but like the, the Ruthless, that's... That's out of line. Well, he's not wrong. I I have a hard time arguing either point, really. I just don't like the way it flows, and I wanted to have an opinion. Uh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll, let, we'll, we'll let it slide. Um, so this is actually a rematch of the Royal Rumble, I believe, of this year when... Brett the Hitman Hart was the champion, and he defended it against the ruthless bad guy, Razor Ramon. Oh. Recently, the one 2 three kid had defeated Ramon, and the commentators let us know about this uh, several times. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And the audience did as well. There was a lot of one 2 three chants there for, uh, in that open. It was, it was very interesting. I, I always get a kick out of when the crowd is chanting for somebody that's not in the match. I don't think he even showed up on the show. No, he wasn't. He wasn't on the card at all. And it was they were chanting for one, two, three. I guess to to get under the skin or to get in the head of of Razor Ramon. And you're not gonna. That's not gonna phase ruthless Razor Ramon. Everybody knows that. <laughs> right. Well, you know, thank God for the announce team providing us some context, or else I would, you know, I wouldn't have had any idea what these guys were chanting about so that's true you would have thought we were back in uh, at caesar's palace and it was just a, an audience that likes to count right <laughs> and they can count at least to three to three we know that we, we know they can get to three <laughs> so this first round of matches is uh it's under a 15 minute time limit the, the hitman is the number one seed for whatever that i don't think the seeds really matter in this contest but they, they give it to him as sort of a you know you kind of got screwed last time so here's the number one seed type of deal. right and you would think that if he was the number one seed he wouldn't face razor in the first round usually they give that number one seed kind of a an easier matchup it should have given it yeah they should give him hughes or 
Hacksaw, maybe. Duggan, yeah. Duggan. yeah. He knew, Duggan was a former king, actually. No, he wasn't. I think he was a former king. You're getting confused. You're getting confused. You never seen Duggan with the with the the crown? I think that him and uh, Haku feuded over the the kingship back a few years back. That doesn't sound right to me at all. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. I think it was uh, I think it was Don Morocco won the first one. Uh, the second one. Phew. I don't know, probably Shifty Dan Schaffner. Uh, the, the, the third one was definitely Macho Man Randy Savage. Haku was king. Haku was not king. Yes, I'm, I'm, was. I'm looking it up. You're out of your mind. He was, when he was a member of the Colossal Connection. He was the uh, king. Oh, yeah. Everybody, all of a sudden, everybody's got a king of the ring win. Let me see here. It's Hold the damn phone on this son of a bitch. Let's see. What about Harley Race? You're just you're, you're just forgetting about guys here. Fuck Harley Race. I think he was the first king. I think they gave it to him. I don't even think he had to defeat anybody. I got I got carried away. I said fuck Harley Race. I actually love Harley Race. There's nothing. I got nothing bad to say about Harley Race. Here we go. All right. So, eighty-five Don Morocco, eighty-six Harley Race. So it wasn't Shifty Dan. Was not the second. This uh, is the second king of the ring. I was I was wrong there. It was. It must have been I, the, the third. Yeah. Uh, third, yeah. So Don Morocco in 85, Harley Race in 86, Randy Savage in 87, Ted DiBiase in 88, Tito Santana in 89, Bret Hart in 91, and then now in our most important King of the Ring, 1993. We'll get to that at the end of the tournament. I can swear Haku was the king. Sorry, man. Uh, we're we're going to discuss this. This isn't over, Shivani. Yeah, no, maybe we'll do the the year of, and the, the next the next uh, run a year we do will be what eighty nine. You think he, he was going to be the king? Probably around there. Well, you're wrong because in eighty nine it was fucking Tito Santana. I so never <laughs> see, I never seen Tito with the, never seen him with the crown and the scepter and the robe and the the throne. Never seen it. It's a good point. Well, I mean, we can both agree at this point, though. We've we've done uh, some some very lighthearted research. It wasn't Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Moving on. So, <laughs> so Ramon and uh, the Hitman they they lock up. Uh, the initial lockup ends in a stalemate. Uh, Hart gets the advantage. They go back and forth like they do. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of talk about the Hart family. Uh, third, uh, Brett's the oldest of 13, I believe, or he's somewhere in the mix of 13. Yeah. That was a weird line that, uh, that Bobby, Bobby had, it was, it was a joke. And I, I didn't know if it was over my head or if it wasn't a joke, but he said he was the, the 14th of 13 children. Yeah. And he said, uh, so they had one of each. I'm not sure. Right. What, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not sure what, what, what that was. About. Yeah. So, you know, Savage reminds us that, you know, only one can be the king of the ring. Yeah, and he was really pumped about the King of the Ring, too. Uh, he also said that uh, it was just as important as the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, he was basically saying they were one and the same. Yeah, that's wrong. No wonder why he didn't last on commentary. He had to get back in the ring. Right, he does a, he does a, does a decent job, though. I, li- I like the Macho Man in the booth. 
so around this time they're throwing out their predictions. Uh, Macho's going with perfect. Uh, Jr. kind of takes the easy way out. Says it's too early to tell. This initial matchup uh, didn't go too terribly long, but it really highlights um, Bret Hart as being, you know, one of one of if not the best at what he does. And yeah, especially in, especially in the taking bumps department, he's you know he's kind of legendary for for his just how he takes bumps, you know. He he can sell. I mean, just about anything. When he takes that that front bump in the to the turnbuckle, mm-hmm. it it's just painful, and the sound it makes, and the way he crumples up when he hits it. You, you feel so bad for him because it looks like that turnbuckle just ended his life. And he's taken that, that bump. I don't know how many times it maybe once a match in every match I've seen him. And he takes that front bump to the turnbuckle. Yeah, and it's, gotta, he's he's got to have a titanium, you know, chest. You'd think it would shatter his xiphoid process area. Cause that's what, that's what he's, he's yeah. just, just nailing. But, uh, but yeah, you see that, you see that basically every match. Mm-hmm. he takes that one the the the, the way that he, the way that he takes it i'm always just i'm always shocked uh every time i see it and i've seen it countless times and he takes it and i'm surprised every single time at the same time how come that's not the way that he always like why is there other times when he decides to turn and take the back bump in the turnbuckle he's the only guy that has ever that i could ever remember doing it and he does it once a match, but you would think, why would you? Do you kind of understand what I'm saying? Why? When does he decide? Now's the time I got to take that bump. That's that's my bump. That's the Brett bump. I'm sure it has something to do with what's coming next. You know. No. But uh, but yeah, that was that is a classic Brett bump. That's for sure. So there was there was uh, a couple of things that early in the match that stood out to me that weren't in the ring. And I got a pretty big kick out of, did you see Razor Ramon's fan club in the crowd? No, I must've missed that. Yeah. They, 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 they had a big Razor Ramon sign and they flipped it over and it said, (laughs) it just said, Razor says, Hey Chico. That's all it said. It was, it was a pretty got a got a pretty big kick out of that. And then the other the other thing that was outside of the ring that I really got a kick out of was the front row uh Hulkster. Did you see front row Hulkster? Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't commit, man. He had he had everything all the way up to like he had the boots. He wasn't wearing the right tights. He was wearing he was wearing like basketball shorts. Mm. Like if you're gonna commit to being front row holster, sorry, buddy, you gotta wear the tights. That's just the way it goes. Right. That's a that's a big job. Being that, front I mean, front row holster. You you take that role on, man. You gotta commit. And I'm guessing he may, maybe maybe he was a little timid in the drawers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, maybe his, maybe he was a little shy. His little Hulkamaniac was shy. <laughs> maybe he put him on. His wife looked at him and went, no, no, no. You are not, I don't need the rest of the world to know that I'm married to that. You put shorts on. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. To, maybe security stopped him. and was like, hey, you know what? 
that, that's possible, I guess. Security stops him and says, hey, you know what? First of all, we're sorry for you. <laughs> second, second, second of all, just, just put the shorts on. <laughs> well, it was nice to see a front row hulkster, though. Yeah, nothing against the guy. So... Um, I got a kick out of, uh, so we're, we're about halfway through the match and, uh, uh, Ramon gets some offense and he, he, it's a, it's a killer fall away slam. One of his, one of his patented maneuvers and he goes for the pin, hooks the leg and, and Savage says, congratulations to Razor Ramon for hooking the leg. Yeah. What you gotta do. <laughs> First and only time you'll ever hear anybody congratulate for a hook in the leg. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm talking about with the with the macho commentary. You, you don't get those types of takes anywhere else. No, because you shouldn't. <laughs> those aren't takes that, that anybody's clamoring for. Congratulations for a hook in the leg. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> There's plenty more where that came from with the... <laughs> <laughs> with the, ma- the macho man. Uh, <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> but, uh, the hitman makes a comeback, and then he goes through a series of holds followed by pin attempts. This is another thing that he he was um, as part of his shtick. You know, he had he, he was the excellence of execution. You know, that's his whole deal. But he would apply a series of holds. Go for a pin. He usually wouldn't hook the leg, but you know that's why he didn't get the congratulations. Right. That's why he didn't get the victory. You know, you right. got you got to hook that leg. So I think we got a what did we get? We got a Russian leg sweep. We got a bulldog. We got the the fist off the second rope. All kind of setting up for. Um, usually sets up for a, you know, where he wears down the leg and then goes for the sharpshooter time uh i believe ramon reversed he reversed the bulldog actually and uh hitman took took one of his one of his great turnbuckle bumps and uh ramon's setting him up for the razor's edge and the hitman reverses that as he will i think how did how did this match end i think ramon went for uh some sort of a slam off the top and it yeah was he went for that uh that uh that what is it called it was like a like a back not a backdrop like a side suplex off the second rope and brett turns uh turns and gets him on like a cross body on the way down and gets the pin and razor was not pleased i mean you can't blame him i suppose no, I mean, the, it's kind of rigged for Razor. I mean, he has to come in and face the number one seed right away. Uh, he can't He can't do it for his his, his fan club. Uh, he's, got, he's got front row Hulkster distracting him. There's a lot of shit going wrong for him. You got the one, two, three kid chance. It's just the, the, the cards are definitely stacked against Razor coming into this. And then he's going for a, for a sweet uh, back suplex off the second rope and Brett being the excellence of execution turns it into uh, a pin attempt, gets the victory. Uh, it's a tough night for Razor. It's a tough night for, for Chico. Mm-hmm. Good showing, though. Very, very good opening to the card. Very entertaining match. These, these guys were both at the top of their game and were, you know, a couple of the couple of the shining stars of this particular era of the, the next segment 
I, I was actually just quick sidetrack here. This this whole first round that they did of the tournament, I think they got it all done in about a half hour, which was pretty incredible. It was just bang, 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 back to back, which I thought was very efficient and and you know good good use of time. Anyhow, so this next contest we got uh, we got the battle of the misters. We got we got Mister Hughes and we got Mister Perfect and. Um, prior to this match, there's uh, some clips from Monday Night Raw that aren't really related at all to this match. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, the clips were from Superstars, actually. Oh, Superstars, okay. Yeah, where uh, where Mr. Hughes comes in and uh, smacks around the Undertaker and gets to take the urn, which was, I don't know why or what point uh, they they were looking to make in showing that that video clip there, it seemed a little bit out of place, but there it was. They're, they're, they're really pushing uh, Harvey Whippleman's uh, stable of suck. Right. It was, I guess, just to show that Hughes is a badass. you know, maybe for folks who aren't familiar with Hughes. Yeah, I, I guess, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, the, the taker's absence is, uh, one of the one of the things that I made note of in this show, he, he was the biggest star that that did not make an appearance. Um, something I noticed about this clip was that as as Hughes is you know going to beat the hell out of the Undertaker with the urn, he's totally missing him, like just just not even coming close with the urn. But it's it's his glasses, man. <laughs> I suppose they were a little they're too dark. You ever seen him without the glasses? No. Yeah, neither have I. Maybe he doesn't have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be something. So the winner of this match is going to take on Bret the Hitman Hart. Um, Jim Ross is just a just an encyclopedia of random facts. It's pretty incredible. I'm pretty sure he makes up most of these random facts, but he he sounds he sounds pretty. I don't know what the word is, but, you know, he does a pretty good job of selling these facts. Um, oh, yeah, like Mr. Hughes is from Eastern Manitoba State University. Yeah. Let, lettered all four years on the rugby team. And he, <laughs> he was one of the most penalized uh, guys in amateur football history. Right. Just every anything he throws out there. But he does it so smoothly. And like he said it a million times before. That you just go, oh shit! I didn't know that. Like, yep, Mr. Hughes had seven kids with six cheerleaders, all from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, oldest one's name is Bert. Bert Hughes. Bert Hughes plays defensive tackle uh, down in Texas, West Texas. Uh, he's he's a great standout kid. He's in the fourth grade. He got a C minus on his last spelling spelling test, but he's trying to make it up. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> he, he tells you a lot of things that you don't need to know, really. No, I, I, I don't I don't need to know <laughs> uh, whether or not he was the the most penalized player in, in amateur football doesn't make me like Mr. Hughes anymore any less. When it comes to Mr. Hughes, it's all about the shades. Right, sharp dressed man, this Mr. Hughes. Yeah, um, there wasn't much of note in this match to me. I did notice, well, in the bump department, you know, perfect. I'd say I'd say at this time, you know, we kind of have a three-way tie as far as you know the between Perfect and Hart and 
Michaels as far as taking bumps goes. You could pick you could pick any one of those guys who yeah. you know make a schmuck like Mr. Hughes look much better than he much better than he may have been. Yeah, um, there was uh, there was one part in this this match, and I I want to say it was at the very beginning where Bobby the Brand calls Jr. Monsoon, and he cuts himself off, and he goes, "That's what you think, Mon." Well, you're not monsoon, <laughs> but you, he goes, you look like him though. No, he doesn't. <laughs> JR, JR is probably what? Five foot. We'll just say five foot. Uh, and <laughs> monsoon is a, he's a, he's a very large individual. He was, he was a giant of a man. How oh, you think you get a name like gorilla? Monsoon. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then uh, the other thing that I got a kick out of was, uh, from from Bobby in this match was he goes he talks about Mr. Perfect he goes you know I had a lot of for Mr. Perfect uh, I, I manage his money uh, he owes all of his success to me and then Jr. just slides and he goes wrong and Bobby calls him on it and Bobby goes dong <laughs> and, and Jr. like no he's like oh I thought you said dong. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, but when he was just like, JR just goes wrong and Bobby just jumps at him. He's just dong. It was, it was very funny. <laughs> they do do that, that uh, cut to like a picture in picture almost with Brett kind of giving his thoughts on the match. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. They ask him, you know, who would you rather face? And he, uh, I think he says he'd rather face, perfect because um i'm not sure why exactly but yeah he says, endurance or something like that yeah he kind of matches them each up and he goes if you have uh mr hughes you got more of a brawling style uh and with uh with mr perfect you got endurance and, and you got more uh wrestling holds uh, he goes so I, if i had to pick i'd probably want to go with the endurance match and the wrestling holds and then he kind of smirks a little bit and he goes plus I think I like him a little better. <laughs> All right. Good, good. I love the way you delivered that. Plus, I think I like him a little better. <laughs> oh, man. There, there's one other little bit that kind of caught my attention in this match. I, I think Hughes must have been pretty green at this point. I, I don't think he lasted too long in the Federation overall, but um, he doesn't do a bad job taking moves, but it's very obvious that he's like jumping into, um, you know, he, he takes a couple of hip tosses, takes a back body drop. And, you know, it's obvious that, you know, he's, he's jumping into these moves, you know, which, which I guess wasn't, wasn't a bad thing, but it, you know, it's not as smooth as a, you know, guy who's been around for a while, you know, or right. been around for a while that you would expect, but that's Mr. Hughes for you. Yeah. He could, he can move. He's pretty, I mean, he's pretty, he can be pretty fleet of foot, uh, but he definitely, he's just not very good. I guess I always kind of liked him. I always kind of had a soft spot for him. I thought he was, he was a pretty good heel. Uh, he always seemed like he always seemed like an intimidating person, intimidating heel. Like he could really do some damage, but then he got in the ring and he couldn't do any damage. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> right. I think he delivered a good big boot.
boot, maybe. Maybe a clothesline. Yeah, that's those are two two. That's that's a good start. That's a good start. <laughs> so he, he must have gotten frustrated uh, early on here because he, you know, before we know it, he's got the urn. He whacks perfect with it, and the match is over. Yeah, it was a sweet finish. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the end of that's the end of that chapter. That might speak to a little bit uh, of how maybe I don't want to really completely shit on Mr. Hughes because again I do kind of like him, uh, but maybe that speaks to his actual ability when you got a guy like Perfect who can have really phenomenal matches and they come out and the finish ends up being hitting perfect with the, with the urn. And there's not really much noteworthy in the match itself, but at the same time, we did say perfect and Lex in the, the WrestleMania nine match wasn't a very good match either. So maybe, maybe perfect's at the end of this first WWE run, maybe he's just a little uh, burnt out. I don't know. It's hard to say uh, at that point, but that, that was the finish. That was the, the urn hit for the, the DQ DQ finish. So Perfect's going to face Bret Hart in the second round, which is bound to be uh, bound to be a good one. So next next little spot we got is an interview with me and Gene and Yokozuna with Mr. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. <laughs> you, you got it. You all be my guest. You got anything here? <laughs> yeah, they they go to they go to Mr. Fuji and and Yoko with me and Gene in the background. And they, they kind of, they, they talk a little bit about, God, how does it, I don't remember how exactly it starts, but Mr. Fuji cuts right, right into the, right into the thick of it and says that uh, Yokozuna beat Bret Hart after a grueling 20 minute plus match. So that's wrong. That's inaccurate. Uh, it was the, the official match time was eight minutes and 55 seconds for him and Brett at WrestleMania nine. And then him and Hogan at WrestleMania nine was 22 seconds. So Yoko's entire uh, match time at WrestleMania nine wasn't even 10 minutes, <laughs> but, but Fuji viewed it as a 20 plus uh, minute grueling match. And then Hogan cheated <laughs> to, to beat Yokozuna uh, to get the belt. It, it was such a, a laughable thing. And back then, I guess we probably didn't have things like the internet to tell us how long the actual match lasted and, and that type of stuff. So you can maybe get away with saying it was a 20 minute plus match, but nowhere near. And then you also get maybe the longest promo I can remember. Uh, uh, not the longest promo I can remember. The most I can remember Yokozuna speaking in a promo. I just, I just got a note of him saying bonsai. Yeah, he he's he, he almost he like grunts a little bit and he's he goes Ugh, Hulk Hogan you American hero He says something I don't remember uh what else he says something about uh you know he's gonna he's gonna take him out and then he yells bonsai and I don't know if he was trying to do a, an accent or not. I'm not sure. I don't know if that Ugh, Hulk Hogan. I don't know if that's like his his way of trying to do an accent or or not, uh, or just cover up the fact that he's actually he's from San Francisco. I, I don't know. Uh, it was it was interesting. There was a lot of uh, 
how do I put it? There was a lot of false in that in that little segment, that little interview segment segment with Gene. Yeah, it, uh, I think there's there's a couple more interview segments with them <clears throat> as the night goes on. There wasn't too much value in this, in my opinion, is just kind of making their Asian presence known or uh, Polynesian, I guess, is a little more. <laughs> that's that's what they announced Yoko later on, but. Uh, uh, from the Polynesian islands, but this old yeah. this old Japan versus the USA, um, you know, feud is is kind of central to that whole angle. Yeah. So next up, we got uh, let's see, we we got Hackside Duggan versus Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> Couple of big this, fellas. This 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 match uh, it sucked. It was uh, it was very disappointing. Care to elaborate? Uh, it sucked hard. All right, heard it. What are you, you, you looking up porn on your phone here? <laughs> All right, so back to the uh, Jr's mixed bag of. Uh, Fun facts. So Juggin, uh, Juggin, <laughs> Juggin. See, see, you you are you are on that porn subscription. You're on Juggin.com. So Duggan played for SMU and the Atlanta Falcons. To which Bobby the Brain shoots back, "Who cares what you did as an amateur? Ooh, yeah. I got a le- leather jacket, or leather jacket." <laughs> so yeah, Duggan's wearing this sort of uh, American flag singlet thing that I've never seen before. <laughs> Yeah, his haircut is it threw me off too. He's got this weird, this weird haircut. It's it's he's got these strange looking bangs. It's just a, it's just not a good look from from head to toe on Duggan in this one. And then he before the match started, he had the two by four, and he points it at uh, Bam Bam like he's shooting a rifle at Bam Bam. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we uh, we're reminded that we're in Ohio, the heartland. I think I heard Heartland a couple dozen times on this evening. Right. Yeah. So we got a lot of punches in this one. Um, see, Duggan, Duggan goes for a big Duggan splash in the corner, and he misses. And it's the turnbuckle, injures his rib. Tries to slam Bam Bag. Bam, bam Bag. I'm that Duggan Bam of- Bag. <laughs> I'm out of sorts right now. Uh, tries to slam him to no avail. And uh, Bam Bam takes control. Bam Bam's got him in a bear hug. Duggan gets the crowd into it with his USA chant. I mean, one thing you got to give it to, to, I mean, you don't have to give it to Duggan, but. Oh, I'll give it to him. I mean, I mean, I, I, I give it to him too. Um, no problem getting the crowd involved. He just had to come out, just yell USA and that, you know. That that is one of my one of my notes, and maybe my only positive note from this match is that hacksaw always works. It always works all the way up until even when he does his his guest appearance spots, he shows up, he yells ho, and then chants USA, and the entire crowd gets into it. I don't know what power he has when he delivers the USA chant or the ho, but. It sure as shit gets over every time you see him. Yeah, it does. He's he's an endearing character. We'll give that to him. And I'm pretty sure he was the king of the ring at one point. 
No, he wasn't. Uh, but as Bobby said, he's known as a quitter in Glen Falls, New York. A quitter. I All believe right. that's what Bonnie. But that's what Bonnie says. See, now you're fucking me up, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, I think after getting the crowd involved, and you know, and he does his own little hulking up bit. Um, he gets out of the bear bear hug, goes for his his uh, trademark three point stance. Uh, clothesline thing and he misses and then Bigelow does his big 400 pound head splash yeah, and picks up the victory and that's that's about it about a five minute kind of glorified squash match yeah a glorified squash match is putting it nice it, it was just not a good match not to say anything bad about I actually like Bam Bam Bigelow and I like Hacksaw Jim Duggan you, you put them together and that was, that was pretty rough. I don't like this version of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I just thought about it. I don't like this version of Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the weird fucking haircut and the singlet, not a fan. So we got, uh, we got the red rooster interviewing the smoking guns and the Steiner brothers. <laughs> I don't know why they bother interviewing these guys, but. Did you laugh when, when that segment opened or that backstage interview opened? Where he sounded like such a he sounded like such a douchebag. He says, Hi, I'm Terry Taylor. <laughs> like, Why don't you try being somebody else, asshole? <laughs> just, he's, he, just, he sounded so miserable. Hi, I'm Terry Taylor. So for, <laughs> so what I, what I got from this uh, this little interview bit is that the Frankensteiner is gonna beat somebody. Rick likes making dog noises and uh, Billy Gunn, the future Mr. Ass, talks about his love for his brother Bart and their finishing maneuver and how he just yeah. can't he just can't wait to slap it on. Right, they called it like the was it called the revolver? I, what was it? It was like a, a, a one guy holds him and like a backbreaking thing and the other it was a it was a like, sidewalk yeah sidewalk slam uh, leg drop combination. I don't know if they did call it the revolver or not. Might have to ask Terry Taylor. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, uh, I think for the most part, I don't mind Terry Taylor. I think that it's, it's been said that he's got a great mind for the business. He's done a lot of good things, uh, but <laughs> he came on this and I just, I found this, uh, this hate for Terry Taylor that I didn't know that I possessed. <laughs> Try not being Terry Taylor. <laughs> Man, after his red rooster days were over, I know that uh, I've heard that uh, Terry Taylor kind of got the, uh, you know, kind of got the short end of the stick with his gimmick. That was the red rooster was never going to go anywhere. And I, I believe he and Mr. Perfect came in at the same time. And it was kind of a flip of the coin with who was going to get the perfect and who was going to get the red rooster angle. Right. And we saw that how that played out. So now do you think if, if Perfect did be if Perfect was the Red Rooster and Terry Taylor was Mr. Mr. Perfect, do you think they cut backstage and you see you hear Mr. Perfect go, Hi, I'm Kurt Henning? <laughs> I don't think you do. <laughs> no. I think that's just that's just Terry Taylor. I don't know. I'm I'm getting I'm getting a little too worked up about Terry Taylor. My, <laughs> well, we my got... new my newfound passionate hate for him. <laughs> well, we got we got more segments with with terry taylor a little bit later so. <laughs> can't wait but before that we got the larcissist lex luger taking on tatanka uh both these guys were undefeated at this time and 
they would remain that way. <laughs> Before the match gets going, Luger is told that he's got to put the pad deal on his arm or he's going to be disqualified. The refs are just kind of kind of calling it as they go in this in this paper. Yeah, when they're trying to get him to put that that pad on over the forearm, he kind of leans over the rope in front of the camera and he's kind of like flexing his forearm and you can see where like the the, the maybe there's there's a, a plate or, or something there's something abnormal in his forearm so i'm guessing that was uh it was an actual thing that happened he's still in this angle where he brings out the mirror and he admires his, his incredible physique yeah no babes this time now yeah, maybe it's because they were in Dayton, Ohio, at the Nutter Center. They couldn't find any babes. <laughs> <laughs> They're not known for their babes there in, in the Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> but you think they would be, right? <laughs> I mean, Tiger just nails Luger with his uh, uh, with his mirror. Um, he comes out with a head of steam, a video within a video thing where uh, Bam Bam appears and a- asks who he'd prefer to face. He says he wants the Indian. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That didn't sit right with me. Like, it sounded... It didn't sound good. It didn't sound... Like, it sounded racist. Right. There's there's a few of those. Yeah. Um, there's a few of those occurrences in, in this event. But So, anyways, he wants to take out the Indian, and then he wants to be the king. All right. You ready for another bit of JR's random facts? Yeah. Okay, yes, Absolutely. All right, so Lex Luger at a 3.8 GPA. <laughs> That's, that sounds like bullshit. Keep hitting me. <laughs> uh, I, I guess apparently he turned down some some scholarship uh, with the some branch of the military to, to be the narcissist. Okay. Uh, He's a genius. I would have never guessed that. No, sounds like bullshit. All right, what else do you got? <laughs> That's all I got for this uh, for this this round. There's there's more more fun facts to come. Don't worry. Okay, nothing on Tatanka though, huh? No, he's kind of a man of mystery. That Tatanka, Native American, uh, doesn't talk much. Tomahawk chop, hulks up. Yeah. Yep. Um, so this is kind of a back and forth. The narcissist is Heenan's pick. Heenan's had a hard on for the narcissist ever since he showed up. I think he introduced him actually. He did. He did introduce him. And in this match, too, Heenan says the score of the match at one point is 138,000 to four. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a lopsided affair. I imagine it was in, the, in Luger's favor. Yeah. And that, that's, that seems like uh, insurmountable. I mean, Luger has about three holds. I'm not sure where he got all those points from. Well, I think maybe the each hold counts for more because it is Lex Luger. Go on. Well, because he's not very good. So when he does them, they count for more. Okay. Maybe a, uh, maybe a pose. That's some extra points. Extra bonus points for a pose, probably. After a few back and forth, uh, they're, they're talking about the 15-minute time limit quite often during this match. There's, yeah. The momentum goes back towards the Native American Tatanka. He nails a tomahawk chop from the top. Uh, he goes for a second one, and uh, long story short, the match ends in a time limit draw. And this was actually uh, a legit time limit draw. I, I watched I watched the match over, and I I made sure to time it, and it was a it was a legit fifteen minute draw. 
After the match, though, did you find it a little bit strange that when Luger gets on the mic, he, he almost gives – it almost seems like he, he's kind of turning face in this match afterwards. He's, where he cuts the, this big, like, like getting the crowd pumped up, and he wants five more minutes, and everybody pops, and he's kind of popping back for the crowd. It was kind of a strange thing when he's, he's supposed to be this, this – this, he's a bad guy. He sounds like a whiny bitch when he's doing it, though. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Lex Luger. <laughs> that is Lex Luger. So that wraps up the first round of the King of the Ring tournament. So in the second round, we're going to have just one match. Yeah. Brett the Man Hart and Mr. Perfect as Bam Bam Bigelow got a bye. Hart and Perfect match. It's really a classic match between, you know, two of the best guys in the business at the time. Uh, they upped the ante to a 30-minute time limit. If they fight to a draw in this match, Bam Bam wins the king of the ring Man, tournament. That would have been a hell of a swerve, right? <laughs> yeah. Before uh, this match, they had uh, Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect backstage with, with Mean Gene. And I thought I was going to really enjoy the segment. And it really wore thin on me really quick. Perfect uh, essentially says, you know, he still owes him for... Gene is stirring the pot kind of in the beginning of it where he says, you know, didn't you, didn't you say you'd rather, you'd rather face Mr. Perfect because you could beat Mr. Perfect and, and all this other, all this other kind of stirring the pot lines and, and Perfect comes back. And then all of a sudden he's like angry at, at Brett. And they kind of go back and forth a little bit. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden Perfect remembers SummerSlam 91. He still owes him for that 90. That shit was two years ago. He still owes him for that. And, and then they go into the, did your, each or, you know, second generation wrestlers, did your dads ever square off against each other? Yeah, it was real. Your dad, like my dad's better than your dad. Right, right. And Perf says that, don't you ever say that your dad could beat my dad because he couldn't, he couldn't beat him on his best day. Um, I, I hope that helps you in the match. <laughs> like whatever you need to get motivated, Perf, get, get after it. <laughs> So Brett, you know, yeah, Brett tells us, you know, very matter of factly that he's going to win. Mm-hmm. And then he mentions that he would consider managing perfect if he win, would consider managing perfect again if he wins the King of the Ring. Right. <laughs> and, A smart play by Heenan. Right. Is as he, you know, just sort of nonchalantly takes credit for everything Perfect's ever done. Yeah. <laughs> because he was his former advisor or whatever he, he yeah, and executive he consultant or whatever yeah, he called himself. Yeah. Yeah. Early, early in this match, there was a spot where uh Brett was Brett was in the corner, and then all of a sudden he did this weird thing where he like grabbed his nipple and he, like he checked to see if it was still there. Did you catch that? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I laughed really hard and then I, I, I had to watch it over again and he's, he's in the corner and he's just kind of walking out of the corner and he just kind of grabs his nipple and it's like he's making sure it's still attached to his body. So I don't know if something happened with his singlet maybe grabbed or, or what happened. Maybe Perf has been known to be a little bit of a, of a, of a ribber. So maybe in the, in the maybe somewhere in, a, in exchange, he gave him a little purple nurple. I don't, I don't know, but it was, it was pretty damn funny. That was, that was an interesting observation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, there was, there was a series of really cool pinning combos and vicious bumps. Hitman, again, takes that uh, takes that 
chest bump to the turnbuckle. Yeah. And he also he also takes a, a post bump, which you know the the post the post gets used quite. Uh, what's the word? Uh, they get their use out of the post in this in this uh, card. Regular usage. So yeah, perf- uh, perfect. Eventually, he gets the upper hand. He nails a drop kick from the top rope. Uh, it's a real high impact spot that you don't really see that too often. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, now before before that spot though, it, I might my my notes might be out of sync here. Before that spot wasn't wasn't there the spot where Hart bounces off the apron down and he like hits the cooler? Uh, yeah, I think that was I think that was before that spot. Okay, yeah, because that was that was one of the things that because Perfect and Bret Hart together work very well. Uh, they work very well. They put on really, really good matches together, uh, and they always they always seem like they're they're trying to outdo each other uh, when they're when they're selling for one another. And I think that's really what makes them to work together. Their matches work so well together. I saw Hart take that that bump off the apron, and he hit that damn cooler. And of course, I had to see what was in the cooler, so I paused it, and it was uh, Diet Pepsi. Uh, is there a sixer in there, or is- Couple of cans, couple couple of cans of Diet Pepsi. I think there was a maybe a water bottle or two, but that made me want to know who drinks Diet Pepsi. I think it's Savage. I think it's Heenan. Is it a Mosh drink? Mosh doesn't seem like it'd be a Diet Pepsi guy. I bet it's a Jr. drink. Yeah, it could be a Jr. thing. Yeah. I don't know why that interests me so much, but I, I needed to know what was in their cooler. Well, I'm glad you got to the bottom of that. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> So there's there's a couple of really cool spots in here. Um, perfect uh, after after nailing that initial drop kick, he goes upstairs again. Hitman is playing possum. He, he hops up, connects with the superplex, and then he follows it up with a figure four. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I think, this was the longest match on the card. This this pushed about twenty minutes of just back and forth action, and the the coolest spot that. I saw in this match was a, uh, it was pretty ugly looking, but uh, the hitman reversed an attempt of a perfect plex to a suplex where he, he suplexes perfect out of the ring. And then it's like perfect is still holding onto him and he gets suplexed by perfect after perfect <laughs> is on the, on the floor. Almost. It was a pretty wicked looking tumble. Yeah, that, that spot was really, really cool. I don't know that I've seen that done a lot or in any other matches that come to mind, but that was that was a really cool spot. Uh, the figure four spot was, I just put great figure four spot because I thought that they sold, sold, it, sold it well. Uh, it was just, it was, it really, really brought me in. And then that, that suplex spot, man, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. It was a very, very cool, very cool spot. I mean, it, it made you wonder if that's what they were shooting for there. I'm sure it was, but it was, yeah. A, uh, yeah, something like I hadn't seen before. Well, especially with with those two, because they're they're so they're you know we we we've we've sang their praises quite a bit here, and I, I think it's it's deserved. Uh, even when even when something goes wrong, when you have a guy like Bret Hart or Mr. Perfect, they know how to sell it and make it right. There's one spot where uh, Perfect kind of trips. And he goes back to selling like it was his, his knee injury. 
Uh, and it, it could have been, I know that he had, he had knee issues before this, but it, it's almost like he goes back to selling it in the match. So very, I mean, very bright, very bright the way they do things. So yeah, shortly after that um, suplex bit that they did, uh, perfect goes for a small package, Hart reverses it and gets the quick victory. It was a hell of a match. Perfect even shows a little bit of sportsmanship at the end with the with quick little handshake. Yeah. Um, the Macho Man uh, mentions how it took a lot out of him. Yeah. <laughs> that match, he took his hat off, took his glasses off. Um, you know, their match, their match at SummerSlam 91 was a classic match. This one was as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that... A lot of people mention that that perfect uh, and heart match at at SummerSlam, but this is every bit as good, if not better, than that match. So next up, we get a shot of uh, the back of Jimmy Hart's jacket. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a painting of Hulk Hogan, which is uh, as the camera zooms in on uh, Mean Gene is hosting a segment with the Hulkster. And the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Um, now, do you remember, is it Mean Gene? Who calls Hulk Hogan the greatest hero in the history of the planet? <laughs> that was Mean Gene. I wrote that. Was well, that Mean Gene? Okay, <laughs> gotcha. I, I, I went, holy shit. Last, last event, uh, Bobby calls him out as being a national treasure because he's like the immortal Hulk Hogan. And this event, he's, he's the greatest hero in the history of the planet. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. That's Why is there a statue erected of him in every town? Globally. <laughs> it's the history of the planet. He should have churches. You're right. He should have churches. <laughs> Shit. I mean, the Hulkster, he um, gets on the mic. He, he doesn't hesitate to tell us where the power lies. <laughs> yeah. It's in his hand. <laughs> And, yep. um, <laughs> that's that, that's what I say when I'm pounding off. <laughs> it's real quick, but he says there's no water around, so there will be no sneak attack, which is obviously alluding to the Pearl Harbor Pearl attack. Harbor, yeah. And uh, Jimmy Hart quotes the first few lines of the American Made song. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that uh, too. His WCW entrance, uh, his WCW entrance music. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he, he, Jimmy Hart just says, because, you know, he's got the red, white, and blue running through his veins, and, and he was born and raised in the U.S. And I was going, wait a second. Do you already got that yeah. shit written? Do you already got that one ready? He just added in the can. Or maybe right. where this is the genesis of the song. Who knows? Could be. We'd have to, we'd have to bust out that old album. It's kind of interesting. This is the second show in a row where the scheduled Hogan match doesn't conclude the event. Uh, mm -hmm. which is odd, um, but he lost both of them. So maybe there's something to that and we're off next up. We got the world championship match uh, between Hogan, the five-time world champion and the big fella from the Polynesian islands. Yokozuna. Yeah. Walking down. Could you tell he was bigger? He looked a lot bigger, even just from WrestleMania nine to me. I mean, they kept talking about that, and he was mm -hmm. looking pretty big, but it was really only two months between the two. Yeah, yeah. He's—I don't know. Maybe it's because they were—they were saying how much bigger he got in between. But when he was walking down, he looked a lot bigger. And also, it was way too damn easy to find the plant when they were when they were, all the camera people were coming down. 
the, the big fake ass beard. Like it was, it was way too easy. Yeah. It's, yeah. The ring's surrounded by the, uh, the Asian press. He didn't actually reiterates that, um, that quote from Fuji from earlier about how, um, last time Yoko was in the ring, he wrestled a half hour match and won the title. All right. <laughs> Gotta have a short memory. Short memory. <laughs> um, it was kind of interesting how they they um, all all three guys on the on the team had mentioned that perhaps Bret Hart deserved the title shot more than Yokozuna did, which would have been a very intriguing match. I don't know if they ever had one actually. Not not to my recollection. There's well, we'll talk a little bit about that too. Um, not right now, but yeah, I got, I, I, I took some notes. Uh, there, there's, there was a little bit more to that, that whole story. And then, uh, as we get underway, Savage lets out another, another classic, let the winner be the winner. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Let the winner be the winner. Jesus. (laughs) Yoko dominates the early part of the match. Um, if anybody can slam them, it's it's Hogan, which is uh, something that they, especially Savage, will repeat several times throughout from this point on in the pay-per-view. This is clearly foreshadowing what's going to happen on the USS Intrepid uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. between now and our next episode. Yeah. Um, as they're, you know, admiring the the size of yokozuna um one of them mentioned about how yokozuna might go through the ring yeah Um, did you did you notice that the the crowd was not nearly as red and yellow as crowds of previous years well we had front row hulkster well if you take him out of the right if you take him out of the equation though there wasn't a ton of those foam hogan fans there wasn't a ton of uh, hogan bandanas the uh, holster shirts the the crowd was really really starting to go the other way on hulk i think i mean they still blew up when he was coming out but um, well, how do you not right right i mean right. It, it comes on and it's you know 10 30 at night in my house and i'm dead dog tired he comes out and i'm i'm standing up and i'm posing with him you, you there's no way not to get excited. It's it's Hulk Hogan. He is the greatest hero in the history of the planet. You got to get up for Hulkster. You're right. You're right. But yeah, I didn't see nearly as much uh, the red and yellow paraphernalia as we're used to see. The big the big struggle of this match is getting the getting the big fella. I'm, I'm talking about Yoko here off of his feet. <laughs> for me, the big struggle was staying awake, man. This was a, <laughs> this Next, fucker was a this was a snooze fest. I I fell asleep a I fell asleep a couple of times trying to get through this match actually, and I looked it up and it's only thirteen minutes long. No way, I thought it was like eighteen. A true story, thirteen minutes. Holy shit, that's it's, that's that's better than Zequel. <laughs> and I love Hulkster, but that match is that match is brutal. Yokozuna, he, he dominates most of the match. Uh, he, you know, at one point he's got Hogan in the bear hug. Looks like it's going to be lights out for lights out for Hulkamania, and then right. and then he hooks up like he does. He makes the big comeback. It's it's the the big fellow with I think three big boots before he finally goes down. It was three. 
drops the leg on him and uh, he kicks out. Something you don't do. No, and they on commentary they even said that, that nobody's ever kicked out of that before, uh, except for the couple of WrestleManias. I think Warrior kicked out of it. Warrior moved. Was that it? Okay, I think Sid Sid kicked out of it. Uh, people have kicked out of it. It's it's a rare occurrence, but yeah. Right. But again, with that short memory, though, got to have that short memory. And and speaking of the Warrior, we get uh, so. The match uh, comes to comes to a, a shocking and abrupt, and shortly after, um, Yokozuna kicks out of the the big leg, as Hogan gets blasted in the face by an exploding camera. I mentioned the warrior because it was actually a good looking spot compared to when they tried to do this a similar spot with oh in WCW when they tried to throw the fire yeah <laughs> yeah yeah a couple of years later but you know you can't win them all but uh, do, do, do you know who the who the cameraman was in that in that spot was it harvey it was harvey whippleman yeah that dastardly dastardly man yeah he is a son of a bitch i think that was about it for this one uh he gets uh Zuna drops a leg of his own, and he is the now two-time champion. Yeah, and then he uh, he bonsai's Yoko or Yoko bonsai's Hogan after the match. And at one point, they cut to the the crowd, and there was a little kid crying. I don't mean to laugh at a little kid crying, but uh, there's this little kid crying, and then in the camera shot comes a guy putting a thumbs up in front of the little kid crying's face. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard. Went, oh man, they have really turned on the Hulkster, haven't they? <laughs> when the little little Hulkamaniacs crying, and then the guy just thumbs up them right in the face. <laughs> and this is the last that we'll see Hogan um, in the Federation for quite a long time. I think yeah. about seven, eight, nine, ten years. Yeah, <laughs> like we, we don't see him again for for a, for a long time. Very long time. So that effectively is the death of Volcomania in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, it absolutely is. And now we cut back to your favorite guy. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Taylor. I'm Terry. This is Terry Taylor. <laughs> I, uh, man, I did he he didn't I don't remember him doing a lot of these backstage spots to you. This is the first time I remember seeing him. Okay, so maybe it was just for this event, I hope, because we got a lot more 93 to cover, and I, I don't want to see a lot more Terry Taylor. <laughs> no, this was a, you know, he comes up to perfect. He's, you know, yeah, how are you doing? You just lost, you know. I wish perfect would have called him on being the Red Rooster. <laughs> I was in the King of the Ring tournament. Where were you, Red? That would have been nice. What do you call that fucking thing on the top of the the rooster's head? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking. Is there a is there a term for it? I'm not sure. I, I was gonna say, you know, I'd probably make a jab about, you know, where's your whatever that rooster hat is. You know? Yeah, I don't know what that thing was called. There's probably like a technical term, like uh, the animal kingdom, but not a removable hat. But no, no. I do. Do you do you have that same thought though? Like, did you see this and go? Like, I feel it in your gut. Like, fuck Terry Taylor. <laughs> I don't ever remember disliking Terry Taylor. And in this backstage role, I just, I couldn't stand him. 
we get another Mean Gene interview with uh, Sean Michaels and his bodyguard, Diesel. This is the first time, I think, that we see Diesel. This is the first time that they give him a name. He showed up on Raw, uh, but this is the first time that we find out what his name was. At first, Shawn Michaels, because they didn't have a name for him, was calling him his insurance policy. Uh, I did see that on the on, – I watched one of the Monday Night Raws where Diesel shows up, and he was like, yeah, this is my insurance policy. And the, the commentator's like, well, does he have a name? He's like, he's just my insurance policy. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I, yeah, I got a kick out of, out of Michael's little promo here. He didn't really talk about, uh, you know, kicking Crush's ass. That was kind of a kind of a given. But <laughs> he, he talks about how Hogan's a dinosaur, and he's not near the caliber of superstar that John Michaels is, which, yeah. which he's not wrong. And I, I, I just thought that was great. He, he, he said something along the lines of like uh, Yokozuna gobbled the Hulkster up like a brontosaurus burger. He did say that. And, and there is actually, there's more to that. Uh, so Bret Hart, I guess, um, went to Hogan's, uh, Hogan's locker room after the Yokozuna Hogan match uh, to kind of confront Hulkster about some things uh, because they actually did, they did photo shoots and all this stuff. It was supposed to be Hogan and Brett at the 93 SummerSlam with Hogan putting Brett over. Uh, the script was kind of flipped. Um, supposedly Hulkster said that uh, Brett was not in his league. Um, it didn't make any sense for him to drive. This all made me so so upset because I love the Hulkster and I, and I, I love Bret Hart and uh, Hulkster actually went to the locker room, uh, confronted, confronted Hulkster about it. And part of what I think he says it in this book, he says that on behalf of, of myself, my family and the rest of the guys in the locker room, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> I was like, man, get, get after him, Brett. Like he was not, he was not happy with Hulkster. And, and I think, I think it was warranted. Uh, for sure in that situation because Brett dropping Brett dropping the title to Yoko at, at WrestleMania 9 and then Hulkster taking the belt the way that he did. Uh, I believe that Brett was maybe led led to think that it was going to be Brett over Hulkster at that, that SummerSlam and the script was kind of flipped on him and he was he was none too pleased. And at this time, uh, it was this, the more athletic working wrestlers like the Shawn Michaels, like the Mr. Perfect, uh, obviously like the Bret Hart that we're getting over or working on getting over. So I think they maybe kind of banded together a little bit against these uh, these larger guys like like Holkster and it would maybe helping helping pushing them pushing them out the door. Hart had been the he had been the world champion already, and they, you know, McMahon and I guess just the company as a whole, they're still not sold on having uh, having him be the guy. It, it's really kind of kind of baffling. For as good as for as good as he is, for as pure of a pure a worker as he is, uh, for the stories that he can tell in the ring, uh, for he just seems to do everything right for. Uh, the company and for the business and for the story and for the fans. So to not, to not really run with, with Brett, at least at, at this juncture did seem very baffling, but it was, it was a time of change in the company, man. And sometimes change can't happen as quickly as maybe it needs to. So next up, we got a big cluster pile of, uh, of guys <laughs> involved in an eight man tag match. 
Um, sort of like a Survivor Series match with one fall. Uh, <laughs> we got the Steiner Brothers and the Smoking Guns against Money Incorporated and the Head Shrinkers. And <laughs> at this point, uh, Macho Man feels like he's wrestled in 40 matches so far. <laughs> 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 so Money Incorporated uh, are the tag team champions at this time. And, you know, like we mentioned at the top of the show here, it's, uh, it's basically this is just getting the tag teams in. Yeah. You know, th- these are probably the four premier teams in the Federation at this time. It's kind of a down. The tag division is kind of kind of down from previous years and years to come. Well, it, I mean, it had to be right now because obviously you have the Rockers split. You had the Hart Foundation split. Uh, you're going to demolition push demolition. Yeah. LOD I mean, is gone. Yeah. You never know when LOD is going to pop in and out of town. So it's, it's hard to push a division, I guess, that you don't have, or that you're trying to build the teams up in. I think that's probably why the Steiners were brought in because, you know, uh, Scott wouldn't come in on his own. So you might as well bring them in and try and bolster that tag team division. But this match didn't, didn't really do much at all for me. I did think it was funny when, uh, DiBiase kept on giving money to the head shrinkers and they kept eating it. I thought that was pretty damn funny. I thought the highlight of this match was actually when JR is talking about Billy Gunn having a rodeo scholarship yeah. at Houston State University and Bobby the Brain immediately comes back with, <laughs> you know, questioning that. It's rodeo scholarship. What did he major in? Like roping or something? Yeah, that was, that was exactly it. That was exactly his line. I wrote that down too. I thought it was hilarious. Like <laughs> Later on, Billy's getting his ass kicked and and Bobby's talking, Bobby's saying, well, maybe you should go back to rodeo school. <laughs> Just did, did not let him. That was, that might have been the best uh, JR random fact of the night. Uh, both these guys, yeah. both the smoking guns actually went to, went to rodeo school. Man, those uh, rodeo guys are tough guys. Like, I don't want to take anything away from rodeo guys because it's, it's not easy. Those are big, giant beasts that they're doing so, but a rodeo scholarship? Like how the, is there, there's no high school, is there a high school rodeo team? How do you, how does that shit come about even? He must have roped a hell of a steed or something. I don't know. Don't you rope a steer? You rope a calf. You rope a calf. You don't rope a steed? I don't think you rope a steed. I don't know shit about it, man. Steed, I didn't go to, I didn't, I didn't get a scholarship a horse, to rodeo think, school. Right. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> I haven't even taken rodeo 101 shit. Oh, know. so the, this match, the only, it, it was kind of a wash. Yeah. I mean, DiBiase put, uh, put Billy in the, that was a, yeah, I think he put Billy in the, the million dollar dream and then let, let him go. Just dropped him. <laughs> and then Billy got him in a small package and the match was over. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if it was Rick or Scott, but I know one of the Steiners didn't even get in the ring. It was, it, it was not entertaining. There was, there wasn't, it didn't add much value to the card. It was, I think, like you were saying, just to remind people, like there was still tag team wrestling, even though they didn't give a shit about it on this, on this card. There was, I believe 10 matches on this card. So this, this card was stacked. I mean, maybe, maybe they were saving this for SummerSlam. I don't know. I haven't, I watched it yet. That'll be our next episode. But, uh, you know, like a Steiners versus Money Incorporated. 
Could be just yeah. giving just giving that those two teams a match would have had a lot more value than this just throwing these guys these eight guys in you know i guess they've kind of perfected it with deandre the giant battle royal these days you know just throw everybody in you know yeah Um, but those are some of the things i look most forward to on the wrestlemania card usually i love the andre the giant battle royal i mean i I like a good battle royal too this would have served better as a battle royal i mean if they could have gotten the rest of the roster in there yeah Maybe maybe pulled Quang. Terry Taylor out of uh, out of there and put a, put put his damn rooster cap on. Yeah, shit. Get get the Macho King in there. They could have done more with that for sure. We go now to uh, the second interview with um, Yokozuna and Fuji. Jack Tunney is present. <laughs> oh, that's right. I I didn't write down anything about that. I, I completely I completely spaced over that. They'd, they're congratulating him or saying how grateful they are for him to be the, the world champion. Run me past that. I Yeah, I didn't know Jack Tunney was still a guy, but he he shows up and he congratulates Yoko and that was about it. Tunney was on screen for about five seconds. Everybody's taking pictures. I think all Yoko had to say was bonsai. He just kind of stands there and looks mean and Fuji rambles on about something. They're going to stay in the USA and celebrate yeah celebrate. <laughs> that's right yeah they're gonna celebrate in dayton right outside of the nutter center baby <laughs> right. gonna have one of those mr fuji uh parties yeah one of those fabulous parties. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> for, for anybody that doesn't get that reference that was from uh what was that it was an old vhs compilation tape that, that they put out coliseum I, video put out yeah i don't remember what the source of that was i just remember fuji was having having uh some fan he was he was he, i think he was teaching berserker how to throw parties <laughs> yeah that's exactly and he was like this is how you throw mr fuji's fabulous party <laughs> it was very, yeah well that's the nutter setter is gonna have a fabulous party we got the Intercontinental title match. I think this is, we're, yeah, we're getting close to the end of the show here. Mm-hmm. We got Shawn Michaels, now the two-time Intercontinental champion, defending against Crush. Uh, Shawn is accompanied by Diesel. Interestingly enough, the past three pay-per-views, Shawn's been accompanied by somebody different. <laughs> so he had, he, had, he had Sherry, then he had uh, Luna, Luna, and now he's got Diesel. Yeah. Um, so Michaels had defeated Janetti, I think a week prior. They had said to get the belt back. Couldn't have been, could it have been? I'd have to go back and watch because I thought Janetti wasn't back in the company at this point. I think they said that's when that's when uh, Diesel debuted or something. He was he had helped Michaels win it. Interesting. At a show uh, at a show in like uh, Syracuse, New York, or some some B market, New York. Interesting. Yeah, I'd have I'd have to go back and watch because I could have because I know when Jenny after he came back from being fired uh, his first night back he won the Intercontinental Championship from from Shawn Michaels um, and I believe that was on a that was on a Monday Night Raw so it could have could have been I don't uh, my memory isn't serving me as far as that that goes but I I thought Jenny hadn't come back yet but yeah I just know that he had he did have the belt at the Mania and he has it now so. I mean, who knows, really? Right. Um, so Jr. goes on a rant about the the power of Crush. <laughs> <laughs> I 
all of his lifting, all of his lifting stats. Yeah, he bench press six eighty and deadlift, you know, seven oh five, and do twelve cock push ups. You know, just jeez, that's overdoing it. But yeah, the, the the mullets involved in this contest are legendary. Everybody has a mullet. <laughs> These two stand out. All Crush the- has a mullet. Michaels has a mullet. Diesel Michael's has a mullet. <laughs> the goddamn referee has a mullet in this match. He does. Huh? Which, which who's ref, who's officiating this thing? I don't know. I he probably went out the same time as mullets did because I, I didn't recognize him. <laughs> so we get back to uh, you know talking about Crush's strength. Somebody, I, I think it might have been Heenan. Heenan's kind of kind of losing some of his. Uh, Kind of lose, losing some of his credibility this, this show because he he mentions how, or maybe it was Jr. mentions how Crush has as much agility as Shawn Michaels does, mm. and how he's the total package and whatnot. Yeah, um, Savage Savage kind of he does a little bit of the same thing too in this match. He goes, "I think he got well, fuck it. I'm not going to do Macho Man Randy Savage. My voice isn't there right now." Uh, but he goes, "I." I I think he could. I, I think he could slam Yokozuna, and then he acts like nobody hears him, and he says it again. <laughs> yeah. And he, he even emphasizes. He goes, "I think he could slam Yokozuna." I said, "I think he could slam Yokozuna." <laughs> I, like, I have this written down at three separate spots in this match. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah. he, he says, "I think Crush could slam Yokozuna about just five times total." Yeah, he, he, he was. He, <laughs> He got all kinds of fired up about that. I mean, once again, this is obviously you know foreshadowing the uh, the Yokozuna Slam challenge that's coming up. Yeah. So I mean, Crush does display his is with a gorilla press, a backbreaker type of trash compacting backbreaker deal. But I mean, he's doing this on Michaels, who's about two and a quarter. You know, it's, it's not exactly you know slamming Yokozuna, but. Yeah, you didn't you didn't particularly care for Crush's performance. No, I I didn't. And one of my notes it just says does 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 Crush suck? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was my note. And I, I don't ever remember not being a like necessarily a fan of Crush. I never liked his his ring attire. His look never did anything for me. Uh, I was never like when he had his that shaka bra, I shock, I don't give a shit about it. Uh, it was not, it was it just wasn't a fan. It did did nothing at all for me. And even watching this match, like Shawn Michaels sells great. That's what he does. What does Crush do great? What does Crush do good? And I, I don't mean to be dismissive of, of anybody that wrestles because I, obviously I, I'm just a fan. Uh, so anybody that has the ability to do it, I, I appreciate their ability to do so, but he doesn't do it at a very high level uh, at this point in his career. So I just, I was trying to dissect whether or not he was, he was very good or not. And according to the, at the moment in time when uh, I wrote this note, he, he, he did, he did suck. It's not the worst performance I've ever seen. They were really, they were really trying hard to push Crush. Um, if if Crush could have gotten over, you know, he is the kind of guy that they would have wanted to push. I'm sure, but there there must just not have been that much there. And no, 
I guess for me, like you said, it's it, like with, with Michaels, he's going to have a good match with anybody. So maybe that overshadowed the whole crush suck bit for me. <laughs> you know? Right. Because like I said, he, he pulled off a couple of like, like really good looking suplexes, which you could probably credit 90% of it to Michaels for just mm-hmm. doing all the work for him, essentially. A visit from um, one of Crush's old rivals. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> towards the end of this, this contest, you want to you take it from here? Oh, man, I was so pumped. I forgot that this occurred. I forgot uh, about this as well. Oh, I was so excited. Yeah, the camera cuts and you see two doinks walking walking down mirroring each other walking while puffing on a stogie <laughs> it, was, it was so good uh, and they walk down and, and crush kind of kind of catches them and they walk down and they they both kind of look up they each take a big puff uh, of their cigar keenan says oh i can smell those those are good cigars <laughs> they blow the smoke up and, and crush his face sean michaels hits him with a uh, sweet chin music to the back of the head <laughs> And then Crush sells sells him bouncing off the turnbuckle like it was Adrian Adonis with the scissors in WrestleMania three. <laughs> like he he grabs it, he kind of hits it, and then he's he's over it. He's down. He's out for the count. Michaels gets the cover, but then Crush no sells it right after. Like <laughs> as soon as soon as the three count hits, Crush jumps up and starts running after the two doinks. And Crush again. Maybe I'm being too harsh on him. If that's how he actually runs, I feel bad for the guy because if that's his natural run, his natural run is him needing to run to the shitter. That's how he runs. It's 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 an ugly looking run. And going back to how hard these guys are, the announce team is trying to trying to sell Crush. Uh, <laughs> there's a part towards the end of this match. It might it might even been at the end of the match where Jr. kind of pulls the sympathy card for all that crush has been through he's he's had to deal with doink the clown and he said that i just i just cracked up and just blacked out the rest of what he was saying like yeah this big behemoth of a man he's all poor crush having to deal with doink the clown you know it's yeah uh, shaka shaka bra yeah but to to answer your question yes crush sucks yes thank Um, you I mean, he was much better before and after this angle, but none of them were, none of them were top notch. Um, his demolition character, his DOA character, I would have taken over this crush any day. Absolutely. So yeah, we got our last little bit with um, me and Gene, um, Bam Bam Bigelow. His interview prior to his finals match with the Hitman. Uh, not much here. That was. Uh... <laughs> It sounded like a deodorant commercial to me. <laughs> I got no notes. Um, yeah, it's it's because he goes it's something to the effect of you've been you're you've been uh, you had a, a buy this last round, and you're you're fresh as a daisy. And Bam Bam Bigelow, as he's, he's before he storms off the set, he goes, "I'm fresh as a daisy, and I'm gonna get the job done." And he storms out. <laughs> and I was like, "Damn, that that sounds like an old deodorant commercial." <laughs> Yeah, Bigelow had about two hours off in between this, this match and his, and his, his barn burner with Duggan. Uh, this is uh, Hitman's third match. 
And it's mentioned that uh, the winner of this match uh, ought to be the number one contender for the title. JR again falsely states that the winner of this match will be the first king of the ring. Yeah. Savage just lets it slide, um, as do we, I suppose, because we already went over the. <laughs> we already went over this. Uh, yeah, I, I still got the page open if you want to know again that Hacksaw was never the king of the ring. I, and you're telling me Haku wasn't? I, <sighs> I know that Haku was. You, you find that information, and I might believe you, but as it sits right now, no. Again, I'm going to say Don Morocco, Shifty Dan Schaffner, uh, Randy Savage, Tito Santana, Bret Hart. <laughs> well, oh, shit, not Shifty Dan. Harley Race. Harley Race, not Shifty Dan Schaffner. <laughs> big Lodi, fresh as a daisy. Uh, big Get the job here. done. <laughs> he controls the match early on. You know, action spills to the outside, and uh, the steel ring post gets gets some more attention. First part of this match, um, you know, Hitman, you know, looks looks tired. He's he's put on put on a couple of couple of stellar matches already. Uh, Luna Vachon appears out of nowhere. Well, Bigelow is um, feeding the ref a line about something, and she she nails the Hitman with a, you know kind of a weak hit with the chair to the back. It was. I think that that uh, Dracula cape that she was wearing maybe restricted her. <laughs> I believe Bigelow got a pin shortly after this. He did. He did. Uh, he 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 got the one, two, three. The match was over until that should have been it. Really, I thought that was questionable. <laughs> yeah, Earl Hebner runs out, and you got a lot of this in the in this kind of time period where the referees would run out and they'd want to write the write the wrongs of of what happened. And this is another one of those cases where the the referee Earl Hebner ran out and and decided that that was not, you know, that was not the way the match was going to end. Uh, throughout this match, I thought it was kind of strange. There was a lot of people leaving. Did you take the time to look at any of the audience? It seemed like a lot of people were leaving during this match, and it was a it was a slower-paced match with a lot of bam-bam offense. But I, I don't think that I would leave during it. No, yeah, it was, you know, kind of like Mania, the championship match is in the middle of the card. Well, not like Mady in that regard, but the Hogan match is in the middle of the card. Right. Um, and there are a lot of matches in this contest, so I guess that doesn't really surprise me. But Yeah, during this too, Savage says at one point he said uh, if, if Bret Hart gets, the, gets him to – Hart gets the sleeper on Bam Bam and – Savage says, if he, if he, if he, you know, how did he put it? If he gets him to go to sleep right here, uh, I'll strap a jetpack on my back and shoot through the top of the Nutter Center or something to that effect. <laughs> and before he gets his thought out, Bam Bam's out of the hold. <laughs> and then, and then he says, he says, if Hitman wins this, I'm going to run in there and I'm going to shake his hand. And he goes, would you, Bobby, would you shake his hand? And say yes. <laughs> Would you would you let would you let Bobby speak? Would you shake his hand? And say yes. <laughs> Bobby says I I wouldn't shake anybody's hand. Is how he responded to that. The hitman makes uh yeah he makes a comeback. Um, <laughs> Savage is Savage is pretty drained at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, he lays it all out there. Like I said, I did I did like this dynamic of um, characters in the booth. A good call. Uh, I got a kick out of uh, after after the, the the momentum shifts a few times. Bigelow gets uh, Hitman down, and he goes for a big posterior drop. Which he oh does. yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, Bam Bam went for that senton, and uh, he, he he does. He calls it the, the big posterior drop. And Bret Hart had to roll like I believe it was like three times to get out of the way of that move. That was uh, Bret Hart's phenomenal. Yeah, he was really the highlight of this this car. This that was kind of a kind of a showcase for him, which well, rightfully so. It was the yeah. of the ring tournament, you know. So he makes his final comeback. Well. I mean, all three of these matches, too, they're just back and forth, you know. I mean, sure, there's there's periods of, you know, sustained uh, domination by the bigger opponent and really each of them, you know, it goes through a number of reversals and close calls. Eventually, uh, eventually Hart wins with a victory roll. Uh, first time I'd seen him do that particular hold. I saw him do it a few times after this, but, yeah, I guess the one, two, three, like I said, just incredible display by by the hitman um with with all three matches they were they were the best three matches of the card yeah absolutely they were 100 the best three matches of the card and i think going in if you told me that you're gonna watch one wrestler on one card wrestle three times uh and you weren't going to be disappointed in any match or you weren't going to lose focus while watching any match uh i probably wouldn't believe it but I mean, this, this, this time period definitely, it, it's made me really, really appreciate Bret Hart so much more and appreciate him again. Uh, he is absolutely one of the, one of the best when he, this, this tournament, they told him that he'd win every match without applying the sharpshooter. That's his finishing, that's his finishing move. You're, you're taking away the guy's signature move and the, the ways that he comes up and, and his creative, he his creativity in the matches and his creative finishes. Uh, ha- I mean, hands down, he is absolutely one of the best. I I didn't notice that. Didn't even get the sharpshooter locked in in any of the any of the matches. Nope. Nope. And not at all. It, it, it just I mean, the, this event is is really it really does showcase Bret Hart, like you said, and and what he can do. And if you were to take, you know, so, some some time period of, of Bret Hart's career uh, to really showcase him and show, and I think he probably had a fire about him at this time too. Obviously, with the way things uh, shook out, with the you know he wanted Warrior at WrestleMania, that didn't shake out. Then he has to drop the belt at at Wrestle at WrestleMania, uh, and then you know things aren't shaking out. Obviously, with setting up what he what he wanted with with Hogan, uh, he it just seems like he's getting the 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 real raw end of the stick, and it seems like he's taking that raw end, turning it around, and shoving it up somebody's ass with his work because uh, it's beautiful. He does great work. So this uh, the show ends with the King of the Ring coronation with Mean Gene. Uh, Hitman gets the crown and throne and scepter and robed a whole bit and we get uh we get a final big old oh yeah from the macho man and then jerry the king lawler shows up to spoil the uh spoil hitman's party yeah he sure does it's not one of those you know fabulous mr fuji parties but uh king does show up and he's still relatively new uh, to the federation at, at this point uh he's still obviously every i get this this point in time not just in wrestling but maybe throughout the states people are familiar with him because of his uh his dealings with andy kaufman 
so people probably you know people probably know him outside of even the the wrestling circles uh, but he shows up with his with his with his crown to declare that he's the only he's the only uh king in the world wrestling federation he's the true king of the world wrestling federation and he tells brett that he might make him a prince if he kisses brett hart's or if brett hart kisses jerry lawler's feet which i thought was kind of funny in my head i was going god would that work could you have made it uh could you have made brett hart the prince and jerry lawler the king and had that go talk about sticking it to brett that time make him make him jerry lawler's prince that had read and really it you talk about really, you probably get the, the best matches of all time if you made if you made Bret Hart Jerry Lawler's prince. Yeah, these guys ended up feuding for a long time after this, on and off. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was pretty hilarious. I'll just unabashed Lawler comes out and implores the hitman to get down on his hands and knees and kiss his feet. Yeah, you know? um, and then you know. Hitman shoots back with the Burger King chant, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the show ultimately ends with with uh, Lawler really beating the bejesus out of Hart, which was a, a, a kind of a turn. I I don't know. I guess I I didn't recall that that from this show, and you really didn't see that in these shows right. um, up until then, where you know the bad guy is ends out ends up you know, with the upper hand at the end of the show, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He took, he took a lot of shots at, uh, at Brett. At one point he even threw a piece of the scepter into the audience and, and he ripped apart that, that whole set. Mean Gene kind of fumbled around to get out of there. I thought that was funny. At one point I thought Mean Gene was going to fall off the stage. You You know, not that, not that Mean Gene was, you know, falling would be funny. It'd just be fucking hilarious. Uh, we had the, he, he really took some shots at, uh, at, at Brett in there. I mean, he was throwing everything at him and the way that the show closed with Brett laying upside down, down those, those stairs. That was, that was a hell of a way to close the show. Makes me very anticipatious to watch uh, SummerSlam 93. Yeah. The, the, the closing words from Jr. were, um, <laughs> thanks for being with us. This is terrible. oh i didn't i didn't catch that i didn't catch that at the end we're just getting started here with the uh with our little trek through um 1993 and beyond so thanks for tuning in um and i am uh in case you forgot i'm duke bags and uh we got who are you You've, you've known me for like 30 fucking years, man. I mean, Ke- Kevin Rogue. Oh, right. Kevin Rogue. That's, that's, that's you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Um, 